following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. That was a great call. I, I, I blew it. I blew it. Here we go. Here's the inbounds. Harris, 10 seconds to go. Nine seconds. He's got it at center circle. Six seconds to go. He'll drive to the left, towards the baseline. Loses the ball. He's on the floor. One second to go. It's over. It's over. It's over. Kansas State has won the game. 83-82. The Wildcats have upset the second-ranked team of the country. Wyatt Thompson on the call last night. It was at 3 o'clock this afternoon. The Dan Patrick Show featured Wyatt's call. Not only that one, that was the final call of the game, but also the lob from Marquise Noel to Keontae Johnson for Cats to take the 83-82 lead was featured as the play of the day on the Dan Patrick Show. Now, in the spirit of DP, I want to bring the stat of the day. Stat of the day from last night. There were no jump balls. Can you believe that? After everything that took place in 45 Seriously. minutes, there was not a single jump ball. Seriously. Seems like you can't go through a high school or college game without one or two. No tie-ups. Didn't have a single one. Uh, how many of the fouls could have been called tie-ups last night? Nah, not many. No? Okay. Not many. Well, just a lot of contact. A lot of contact things. Maybe a, little, a, little, a few too many ticky-tack type of things. There were a lot of whistles last night. It took a yeah. while. It was yeah. just about a three-hour game yeah. to play the 45 minutes. But when it's all said and done, the other stat of the day, Cats win. 83-82 in overtime, ending the seven-game losing streak to the Jayhawks. That also ends KU's 10-game winning streak on the season. Welcome to the game. I am Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland wearing his upside-down MTV New York City hoodie. It's my favorite of his wardrobe, I think. Our number is 537-1350. We're going to be joined by Derek Young from Casey Online here in uh, in just a moment. Uh, and once we're done with him, we will open up the phone lines, and we would love to hear your calls and thoughts and uh, questions if you have them about last night's victory. I will point out as well, you know, last night here in Manhattan, the KCKU game was not the only <laughs> overtime upset in Manhattan last night. Shout out to Scott Mall. And the Manhattan girls basketball team for upsetting number one in Class 5A Emporia in double overtime. Two overtimes, win it by three, 59-56, and check that, 58-55. Uh, but uh, quite the outcome, especially given that they had to bury a couple of threes late in overtime, one at the horn to send it to the second overtime. Uh, but they get the two threes that do send it to that extra period. And they're able to scratch out the victory then by playing just stolid defense, really, throughout the course of the night. So congratulations to Scott Mall, and of course, congratulations to, well, the coach of the night for sure. Uh, hmm. Not only for the game, and the coaching that certainly went down in that one, but also the post-game speech to the crowd that flooded the floor at Bramlage Coliseum once that game wrapped up. It was absolute pandemonium when that clock hit zero in overtime, when Keontae Johnson Got the uh, pass after the steal from Ish Masood, taps it up in the air, 
pandemonium. I don't think they they stormed the court. They just the fans just fell out of the stands. They were going so crazy. There, it was it was for everybody's safety. That yeah, that three thousand people went onto the floor. There's the uh, there's the you can only hope to contain them aspect of things you can't stop them you can only hope to contain them i will say uh the security that came out with the rope uh-huh they did a pretty good job got out there in a timely fashion had no issues no coaches were pushed up against the scores table or anything like no that. no players got chicken winged nope 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 as far as we know <laughs> as far as we know uh zach clements was a little late getting off the four for ku but i think he's all right the, the fans are going over the zapruder film as we speak trying to find you know how that goes. As far as we know, everything is uh, A-OK. Good. And the Cats now tied for first place in the Big 12 standings with KU and Iowa State. Guys, it's Wednesday. And you know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight is from the Save Mart Center in Fresno, California. Unfortunately, I hate to be a downer here, but some very tragic news last night in the wrestling world. Jay Briscoe, which I'm sure most, if you're even a casual fan or not a fan at all, you've probably never heard of him. But he's in my opinion, a legendary tag team wrestler, passed away yesterday at the age of 38 in a tragic car accident. It's, mm. it's, it's an extremely sad story. Probably played tribute to him, but a lot of great matches tonight, of course. 8 Eastern, 7 Central on TBS. But, of course, that also means we are now joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, who was there in person for the Sunflower Showdown. But, D.Y., before we get there, i got to throw the random question of the day at you here. So you might recall, this was a few months ago, I asked you about what people from Ohio think of those from Indiana. Same kind of spirit in this question. Today is National Michigan Day. Yes, that does exist. I got to know what Ohio people think of Michigan people, just in general. <laughs> uh, not, not, not the biggest fans. Uh, I think uh, they think the state of Indiana is like a flyover state and kind of pointless, but when it comes to the state of Michigan... Um, as most would probably anticipate, a lot of hatred. A lot of hatred. Is that just specifically because of Michigan-Ohio State rivalry? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But, and there's really nothing else to it. I mean, it's not like Ohio State hates Michigan State, too, or, or anything of that sort. There's not a whole lot of other stuff because, look, you got a lot of sports teams in Ohio as well, the professional sports teams, but none of them are really a rival with Detroit. So the, the the hatred really just stems from Ohio State, Michigan. And a couple of swing states, right, Troy? Yes. Usually? Usually. Michigan more so than, than Ohio. Yeah, but I was going to say, Ohio used to be the ultimate swing state, and I would say that it's definitely more red at this point. Okay, so Ohio doesn't look at Michigan as like a bunch of dumb hill, hillbillies or anything. No. Michigan might look at us Ohio as that. Okay. To be honest. But right. uh, it would be incorrect. I mean, I would... I always kind of say this to kind of defeat the perception of Ohio that some tend to have. If you really think about it, Ohio has a lot more cities than people really recognize. I mean, you have Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland. They call it the three big seats, and those are big cities. But, I mean, there's there's a few others that, you know, people kind of gloss over, like Toledo and, and Dayton as well. All right, D.Y., let's talk about last night. I got a feeling our uh, whole conversation will be about last night. As, uh, again, K-State beats KU in overtime, 83-82. Cats out of the bag, no longer a secret. K-State's one of the best teams in the country. Knocking off number two KU with an extra five minutes added to the game and win by one point. 
I just want to start out by just getting your perspective on just the atmosphere. because So the media is in a new position this year. Instead of on the north side, on the floor, you're now up in the stands next to the tunnel on the south end. And by the way, just about surrounded by a full student section. What was your experience like last night? Well, oh, we were certainly surrounded by an entire student section. Not, not nearly. I mean, to the right of us is usually you know, the normal, normal folks. And it tends to be like, uh, entire elementaries. It feels like for, for the most part, and certainly behind us as well as never students, uh, last night, obviously to the left is the tunnel. So there's no, no fans, but to the right of us, all students, it was actually, it was all student athletes to the right mm-hmm. of us. Uh, I bet 90% of the football team was there, women's basketball players and, and other sports. They were, they were all there. And that kind of goes back to the equity that, Jerome taking his staff put in during the offseason, right? They went and supported a lot of these other athletic teams um, and during their seasons, and now they're they're doing the same for Jerome Tang and his basketball roster. So it's kind of cool to see that cross-symmetry between programs at Kansas State right now. It's a, in a really good spot. And, and behind us is never any students. And, 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 and since I've covered the team in 2017, I, you know, that's – I think it's Section 25. I've never seen students back there. That entire section was filled with students, and those poor KU writers, they were in the last <laughs> row at the top. They had students on their backs just pestering them the entire time and asking them who they thought was going to win and what they were writing and all of that. So they had a heck of a time and a heck of an experience, too, because they're not accustomed to that because we used to be on the other end of the floor, right? So it was a different world for them, I'm sure, because they, they were being uh, – hounded by the students all night as well well so i i've seen on the on the media tables that uh, of course i don't sit there but i've seen I, I visit you or visit somebody up there once in a while and i i've noticed that they put earplugs up there uh but that's also you know part of because the band is also just directly to your right did, for the band yep. yeah did uh did you ever think about using them what did it ever get close <laughs> did it ever get that loud uh, that never really crosses my mind. I think when they first gave those to us because they just moved us there, I don't. I think they were expecting the noise from the band to be too much, and that's why we had those. But I, I mean, I guess it really never crossed my mind. But what I will say is that was, and and we're up in the crowd, but the you know every other year we were on the floor, so I can't really compare it because I don't have that same perspective anymore. But it was the first time where, like, my seat was literally shaking and rattling during the game. I think that happened two or three different times. Um, my ear was ringing at one point as well. It was it was a lap. I remember, and I know people, we have, uh, you know, selective memory sometimes, and we're revisionist with our history. But I remember the Big 12 championship season of 1819 when you had the Cardi windmill dunked. That game was pretty raucous from start to finish as well. So I think those two are probably in the same category for me. And, and certainly there was a huge crowd pop with the Cardi windmill dunk. Um, and another one when Keontae caught the lob against Oklahoma State last week. Uh, the crowd pop was still loud, but probably not up there for the lob this time. Probably because... The, the crowd knew that there was another defensive possession mm-hmm. and um, probably a little nervous energy about Kansas scoring on a last-second shot. But as soon as Kansas turned it over, the buzzer hit, that's when you got the real crowd pop. 
Well, okay, so that crowd pop, I will say I did not hear the buzzer go off. It, it was that loud. It drowned it out the buzzer. And down there on the floor, it, it you know, I, I get a pretty good idea by how loud it is, even though the student section is across from me. If I was on the opposite side, it might be deafening. But that was the loudest pop of the night. People were jumping so high that they were falling out onto the court. It was amazing. Pandemonium, that's the one that would rival the Cartier Jada dunk, I think, when it comes to the place just going absolutely bananas for uh, for what just took place here. Um, let's talk, uh, before we take a break, let's talk about the lob. The play call comes in from Jerome Tang. He says that's that was the plan there. No keys, uh, Marquise Noel throws up the lob, and it had to be a perfect pass. I think it was a tighter, a bit of a tighter window than most people think. It was, I mean, it was close. Jalen Wilson, if it was a little bit lower, he probably tips that ball, and then K State's in trouble. Who had the bigger cojones though? Was it Tang calling the play after they drew that up last week against Oklahoma State, or how about Noel just throwing the perfect pass? Well, I think the credit goes to Marquise Noel for the perfect pass. Like you said, that window was very tiny. Love Keontae Johnson, but the most difficult part of that play was putting the pass in a perfect spot, not necessarily the finish. In terms of the cojones there, uh, I probably won't go Coach Tang because as he did explain, that was just a wrinkle off the play. Um, you can do that, but there were there was multiple options and the players have to react and make the read there and and decide which uh, option to take. They, I mean, there's a lot of freedom. That's why these guys love playing for Coach Tang as well. And it wasn't necessarily Marquise's idea, right? Keontae told Noel before the play, he's probably going to play really tight and be right up on my back. Obviously, that's how Jalen Wilson was defending him. That's how Kansas was defending him all night. So he says, you know, that one option, if I if I get a quick enough spin, that's going to be open. Look for that. That's what Keontae Johnson told Noel before the play. We heard him explain it in post game. So in terms of cojones and, and choosing to go that route with that option, the lob, that sounds like Keontae's thing. Sounds like he was the one that said this is going to be open. Speaking with Derek Young from K-State Line, Keontae Johnson tied with Desi Sills for most points last night with 24 Johnson also had eight rebounds. Also, you know, I, I think Tang did, a, in my opinion, a good job of managing his minutes because of the foul trouble. For those that maybe forgot, he picked up a couple of fouls there in the first half and had to sit a decent amount of minutes. He comes in at the very end of the first half, maybe to take the shot to, to head in the locker room, but then comes back in in the second half, draws a third foul. Like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do here? But also, there was also strategy to just feed him into the post and see if that could open up a jump shot from outside. I, I don't know if I have a great question to ask you about Keontae Johnson's game, but it was I think it was a more unique game than we've seen from Keontae this season. It was different than most games. Yeah, they had to navigate that foul trouble, and I thought they did a pretty good job of it. In fact, I almost forgot about the foul trouble, as you alluded to. I remember that he kind of went through it in the first half. But he did pick up a third one in the second half, too. It just didn't seem seem like there was a lot of trust there between Tang and Keontae Johnson. And they did a little bit of offense for defense stuff, too. And so they were pretty wise about that and using the breaks and substitutions in those breaks to kind of strategize of, you know, helping to avoid the foul trouble, which was key, right? Because you want an extra five minutes. Um, Naquan Tomlin fouled out. K.J. Adams fouled out. Grady Dick fouled out. Um, Kevin McCuller fouled out by 90, without even scoring a point. 
Um, that was a night to forget for him. Uh, yeah, that was really good coaching there, and and I and they definitely wanted to mitigate any foul trouble that could persist because, as you said, they were just like KU was with Jalen Wilson. Um, Kansas State didn't have a whole lot of offensive firepower late in the game, whether that be in regulation or in overtime. And Marquise Noel was pretty much eliminated in terms from a scoring perspective by Kansas. Dewan Harris Harris is a uh, really good defender. So really the only offensive source was getting to the free throw line. And Keontae Johnson did a lot of that. Yeah, took advantage of how the game was being called uh, when it comes to the referees, but so did KU and uh, and Jalen Wilson scoring 38 points. I thought I was starting to see deja vu from last year's game of when Ochai Baji took over, had a great second half, and hit the game-winning bucket in the final minute. And the Cats lose, lost that game by three, but K-State was able to overcome, even though Jalen Daniels was able to get to his right hand a lot, drive, and either he makes the shot or he's going to draw that foul. Uh, but K-State was able to survive. And I thought, you know, when those... KU has one of the worst scoring benches in the country. Nine a game in Big 12 play, 12 a game uh, just overall in the season. And when they started dropping because of foul outs, especially when Grady Dick in the final couple of minutes, I was like, all right, this is where K-State pounces. But it was a Jalen Daniels show. He just – I don't know if you could put anybody on him to stop him. Yeah, you said Jalen Daniels. Or Jalen uh, Wilson, sorry. Program. Same program, wrong sport there. Yeah. Uh, both both guys are really good football or good good players in in general. Look, uh, all the credit in the world to Jail Wilson. He almost willed Kansas to an unlikely, and I say unlikely because they had a lot go against them as well. Un- almost an unlikely win in Manhattan when you know they had the entire crowd, you know, just going right at him. Uh, all the foul trouble that they had, like you said, that they and Bill Self even mentioned after the game. I mean. They had some players out there in crunch time that typically aren't out there in crunch time, and it was the first time for them. Um, so without Jalen Wilson, Kansas would have been up a creek, and so that kid does deserve a lot of credit. Well, Desi Sills, K-State, might have been up a creek as well. I, I hope last yeah. night I didn't say uh, – I didn't accidentally say Jalen Daniels instead of Jalen Wilson because that did cross my mind a bunch of times. I knew that would be the one I might slip up on, so hopefully I didn't uh, you know, screw you know, that the up. Only time – the only time I caught you slipping up, and you never slip up, but I thought there was one, and I might have been wrong, but I thought you get you uh, yelled out Naquan Tomlin's name for a bucket when it was Cam Carter. I think I, I think that oh, happened. Once. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I did. I don't. <laughs> I I couldn't tell you if I did or not. Um, hey, that that that's a type of game that's pretty hard. I'm sure because that, that's a back and forth game, up and down game. Um, you can't hear yourself think, so that's probably the toughest for from a PA perspective. I would imagine. Well, D.Y., let's take a break. When we come back, we'll, of course, discuss the game that Desi Sills had. Plus, want to get your thoughts on the defense the Cats played last night, especially on one of the hottest three-point shooters in the country, and Tang's post-game speech up next on the game. Let's talk defensively for K-State because, you know, you know, K-State just kind of a funny animal when it comes to the defensive play. They're the best at stopping the three in the, in the conference, but they also give up the most points in the conference game by game here in a Big 12 play. You know, it's funny how that works sometimes. I mean, that tells you the story. They just don't do as well inside the arc than they do on the outside. But I'm sure, you know, a big part of that game plan was Grady Dick, fifth best shooter in the in the country when shooting to three. And he's basically kept that up so far in Big 12 play. Yet last night, 
The Cats held him to one for eight, his worst three-point shooting performance. And the rest of the team is just barely below average when it comes to shooting the three. The team was for KU was pretty bad from three. So I would imagine from your perspective, the game plan against Grady Dick and protecting the perimeter was executed pretty well. Yeah, I mean, now you when you take away something, you're going to give up something. And when they took away Grady Dick and um, tried to, you know, put the clamps on, on Kansas's shooters in general, something else is going to, there's another hole that's going to open up and start leaking. And obviously that was defending Jalen Wilson. He gets 38 points, but um, you got to decide what you want, what you can stomach, what you want to allow, what you think is the path or the avenue to a win. And certainly allowing Wilson to kind of get his was something that they chose to to take that route. Now, you need to take away that right hand, uh, at least, at the very least, to be able to defend him. And I don't think Kansas State was effective enough at that and, and let him get to his right hand too much. And that's why we saw Jalen Wilson at the free throw line as much as, as he was, because that was the only way to stop him when he was attacking the rim. But you did take away what you wanted to take away. So, you know, Kansas State made the decision. Do we want to take away Grady Dick or do we want to take away Jalen Wilson? Which one is the more pressing need? And they decided... It was to eliminate Dick's offensive impact. KU last night from three was six for 29. That was 20.7%. KU took 12 more threes than K-State did last night, and the Cats finished with one more make than KU, seven to six. You know, I'm sure you've looked at the box score. It was amazing how even this game was last night I mean statistic after statistic it seems very even from both sides other than the three-point percentage that was a big difference I want to ask who did have the better defensive game who was the best on defense K-State or KU I thought KU was a little bit more suffocating on defense um I mean Jill Wilson really got going for for Kansas and that was their answer and he was knocking down some shots and I'm not sure I guess Desi Sills did for Kansas State, just not at the same clip. But they Kansas State was a very much more, a lot more dependent on the free throw line, and they made their free throws more than Kansas. So uh, Kansas State was better at the three point line and better at the free throw line. Kansas was better at the rim. Um, they had a rebounding edge on Kansas State as well. But if you ask me, I think KU was the better defensive team. But you you nailed it. This was two even teams in a very even battle. Um, you look at the, the stats, and a lot of them are tight. That's why it went into overtime. And if you ask both teams probably today, now that they can better reflect on, on what last night consisted of and how it unfolded, they both probably felt they didn't play their best basketball. I mean, Kansas State, Naquan Tomlin fouls out. Keontae Johnson's in early foul trouble. They had a um, some some turnovers here and there, T- too many dumb fouls that were correctly called. Although they and some some things didn't go their way. The, the refs stunned at a fast break because of a Jalen Wilson injury, and then even though they stopped the play, they didn't make Kansas sub Jalen Wilson out. That didn't make sense. So, um, for that reason and a couple others, I just don't I don't really give much oxygen to the to the criticism and the complaining and the whining that you hear from Kansas fans today, just because. I mean, there was calls that didn't go both teams' ways, um, and to to dwell on them is, is pretty silly. But and then on the other side for Kansas, they said we had three guys foul out, right? So um, I don't think either team played their best basketball, but it was still a fun game to watch. 
Oh, it's going to go down as one of the best Sunflower Showdown matchups in uh, in the rivalry's history. Do we want to talk about officiating last night? It was, I mean, they were not on their A game, right? I mean, the fast break was silly. Was Ishmael out of bounds there before the yeah. clock hits zero, potentially? I mean, that still frame seems to infer that he probably was, but there was a there I think there was one or two out of bounds calls where I went KU's way that I'm not so sure was the right call either so there so there's a charge call there's a I think two charge calls that I that I didn't like I think there was a block charge that or block call that I didn't like that it was probably a charge there was a travel missed I think it was it was Kansas State that did the traveling and and it was missed um it was all over the place, but I'm not sure that one team had a decided advantage. You could say, well, you know, Kansas had three starters foul out and Kansas State only had one starter foul out. But you look at the free throws and, and you look at the fouls and it's pretty even across the board. Yeah, it was even. I mean, Both fan bases, there's no doubt, had frustrations with the way that game was being called last night. Felt like a lot of ticky-tack stuff. You're right. Some of the charges I thought I disagreed with. Um, but I, my biggest uh, issue with last night was Jerry Pollard, Jerry with a G. Uh, every okay. time he points in a direction, like to say, you know, turnover, K-State ball, or after a review, he pointed that it was KU's ball. Every time he points, he goes, boom. He booms every time. I'm like, what's the point of that? Nobody can hear you unless us on the scores table can hear you. You're not mic'd yeah, up. It's not anything more dramatic if you say boom. It's so weird. What's the yeah, point? That seems a little that, le- that seems a little self-fulfilling like he wants that to be captured on TV or something. Um Boom, take that. Yeah. Which is, you know, the opposite of what their intentions are supposed to be. They're supposed to have the attention off of you and he seems to want to be garnering attention. I think my biggest quibble, at least in terms of a call, was just that fast break. I mean, that's that's just common sense. Like, you, you blow blow the whistle two or three seconds later. Yeah, let that let that unfold. And if you're going to blow the whistle and whistle it dead and stop the play, Jalen Wilson has to lead the game. Well, yes, because it, well, I thought he lost his shoe. What am I am I wrong, or is he, was he just kind of selling in? He he was just selling an injury. He was selling an ankle injury. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he was grabbing down. I, I thought maybe he lost his shoe. He's trying to put it back on or something when I looked over. Hmm. Okay. No, it was injury. But if it was a shoe, you're not supposed to stop play at all. Right. Well, in case they had the advantage, like it, when K, if KU got the stop and got the ball back, that's when you blow the whistle. If it's a shoe or an injury or whatever. Yeah, that was, yes, it was a whistle that was super late. Uh, what was the other whistle I was going to bring up? Um, I can't remember, but anyway. Oh, it was uh, when Jalen Wilson was one-on-one and went up. I don't know who was guarding, if it was Ish or whoever, but he goes up, misses the shot. It was a very delayed whistle. That is one of the most maddening whistles, and I get it. You're like, yeah, you're gonna, that, it, happens, that happens almost every game, and to me that's so frustrating because you know what's happening in those cases, and I think it happened probably about three times in that contest alone. They're waiting to see if the – they make the shot or not. If they make the shot, they're not going to call a foul. But he misses it, so they, they go ahead and call it. It makes no sense to me. Regardless of if that's converted or not, it's a foul or it isn't. It doesn't matter if he makes it or not. D.Y., if you don't mind, I'm gonna we're going to go a little overtime here, if that's okay. i got a couple yep. more questions for you. Uh, okay, so 
with the win last night, K-State has now played four overtime games, and they've won all four. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not the – at KU, they, their biggest lead was two points last night, and they, they got punched in the gut a few times. There was a number of times I felt like, well, that might be it. This might be it. This is uh, – K-State might be done here. They might be cooked. Yeah, but you they, know what I felt like that the most is when Naquan Tomlin threw it right to oh, that KU defender in overtime. Yeah, right to Dewan <laughs> Harris. Yeah, that was uh, – yeah, everybody thought collectively was thinking, what are you doing? Yeah, that was uh, that was a big blunder. Fortunately, K-State survived. But I, I guess the question is, like, is resilience the best word to describe this team right now? Yeah, resilience, resolve. Um, I wrote that about one of the things that, you know, we kind of learned from this game. It's kind of been a trend, right? They take punches and they come back with one of their own. That's just what they do. They've developed that. I think that's really the personality of their head coach because Jerome Tang doesn't seem like the kind of guy that gets knocked down when he gets delivered a punch. He's going to throw one back at you. So that's kind of taking on the personality of your coach. I, you know, I liken that a little bit to when to how Kansas State, how they were assembled and played when Frank Martin was the coach. Two different type of styles. Two different personalities, but both bold, confident, and very secure in their own skin, and their teams take on that personality. Um, Kansas State doesn't, you know, fade away. They don't get deterred. Um, there's a lot of times this year where I was like, man, that's that might be it, like you're you're talking about. And no, they just keep coming. Like they had every reason, you know. You give up that dagger against West Virginia that sends the game in overtime. You're like, well, the Mountaineers are heading in overtime with all the momentum. Nope, Kansas State still finds a way and gets it done in overtime. There was a lot of times where I didn't feel good about it against LSU and it came in islands. They still found a way to win that one. Um, Baylor, same thing. Obviously, that goes in overtime as well. Oklahoma State, that was another lob play because Oklahoma State battled back You know, in the last two minutes to make that a little bit of a – a tight contest near the end before before the lob uh, takes place. So this is a team that has got some thick skin. They they don't salt. They don't pout. They just keep coming, and you're going to have to kill them uh, and make sure they're dead if you're going to beat them. Yeah, resilience is one of those things. It's uh, kind of separates the men from the boys, the contenders from the pretenders, and K-State's oozing resilience right now in Big 12 play, winning already three overtime games in conference play. We're only a third of the way through. Uh, the Big 12 slate. All right, uh, so D.Y., to wrap up, we got to talk about what happened after the game. The The fans are already on the floor. You're already hearing the chant once again, and it, it did happen a few times. Um, leading up to the game, Jerome Tang, for about a minute and a half, you know, delivered a message on what he thought, delivered a message to the fans. And I think it got really blown out of proportion on what Tang was exactly saying. I mean, to me, it was a stern way of saying, I don't want to hear the FKU chant, I want you to be there for the K-State win, not for the KU loss, be there for the right reasons. I mean, heck, I I haven't been asked for a single ticket this year until KU shows up and now everybody's coming out of the woodwork to ask me for tickets. He wants K-State fans to be hyped up for every game, not just a rivalry game, and maybe some took it as, well, you know, it's uh, we shouldn't think of KU as much as a rival. I, I, I didn't really take it as, as that necessarily. This is obviously a rivalry game. Do we live? Do they, we let them live rent free in our heads? Probably. I thought that was a decent point, but it was kind of repeated in the post game uh, speech, and everybody was all about it, cheering, do it for love of the team, love for K State, 
and uh, also mentioned the, <laughs> no more court storming, basically. But uh, what did you think about last night? And uh, kind of became a legendary moment overnight. Yeah, it did. And um, I think he's starting to, I don't know about you, and obviously you can have your own interpretation and, and thoughts on the matter, and I would be interested to hear him. But I think he's getting somewhere. I think it's getting across. I think it's remarkably more progress uh, made on this front than any individual has tried to have. I mean, this university has been trying what, you know better than me, probably over a decade of trying to eliminate this from from it being a part of the fabric of, of what they do. Um, and overnight, before he's been on the job a year, he basically had it eliminated in non-KU games. I mean, since he really owned it and took on the, took it on as a responsibility almost, um, he, you know, this is what he loves to do. This is why he kind of got into coaching, just to mentor young people, and he believes, you know, this is a, a part of it. And he's doing it the right way, too. He's like, I'll do it with you. Like, this is a we thing, and not just like, making these you know empty threats we're going to take this away we'll take that away no he's not saying we're going to take anything away he's like we're going to keep this and we're going to do it this way and he jumps into the student section during football games almost every home game and does the wabash cannonball with them they respect that move and that approach a lot more than being you know just yelled at and threatened over and over again so his delivery i think is what has made it as tangible and as effective as it has been. Um, now, he did mention being disappointed because it wasn't completely eradicated. I didn't expect it to be, to be completely eradicated, and I know he doesn't have this perspective. But for a KU game, and I think that was the sixth one that I have covered, the chant was probably less um, frequent mm. and less loud and less long than it has ever been in those six games. It's not even close. The only really raucous and boisterous one um, that went on for a considerable amount of time was the one he kind of shook his head over, you know, the first Wabash and then at the tip, right? After that, there was a couple times where it got up, but it faded pretty quickly. And in most KU games that I've attended and watched and covered, um, you're going to have like that first one that we heard during the Wabash where it's loud, it's long, and it's just you know, emphatic. You're going to have like 30 of those in a KU basketball game. I think we had two of those last night. So I just hope he recognizes, too, that he's made a lot of progress on this front already. And I think that message last night after the game in the fashion that he did it and, and, and kind of getting his point across of why he wants to do this, right? He wants to hear K-State's name. Um you know, get the respect mm. and get the focus and attention rather than KU's. Because, I mean, you're you're kind of vocalizing your hatred for the school, but you're also giving giving them, you know, more attention. <laughs> you're giving them, you're commercializing their name even more by saying it too, right? So I think that's part of it. And, you know, he's got bigger goals at the end of the day. And um, Kansas is worth one win. You dislike them all you want, want to win that one badly, but there's a lot of others that are important too. It's the currency that he has built up since day one of taking the job in getting involved with the students in a way that really I think we can say that no other coach on campus has gotten involved with them. No, or nor have they attempted or even come close to it, right? Right. 
he was embracing them. So in turn, they're going to embrace him. He just didn't say, hey, stop the chant. Come on. What are we doing last night? No, he didn't do that. What did he do? Then he started the chant that he wants. I mean, that's activism. It's not just like issuing demands. It's like saying we should do it this way and then doing it with them. He led a KSU chant. It was the last KSU chant I've heard since I've been in Manhattan. I mean, when you give your phone number out to the uh, the mm-hmm. students and you, you start showing up to activities and uh, and then at Purple Power Play on points or, or in the park, it was in the park this yeah. year, that's where the message started. We're going to start chanting KSU. I mean, that that's pretty tough to top if you're a coach when it comes to a bond uh, with the students. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I don't know. I, I loved it last night. And I know everybody has probably seen the video out there now that Chris Budden tweeted out of me awkwardly trying to help <laughs> tang up to the scores table. You were ready to catch him. You were ready to catch him. Well, I, I did help him down. Nobody saw that, did they? I, I did help him down off the scores table because in, for those that didn't see, I'll, I'll tell the whole story later on, but um, he was climbing on a chair with wheels on it. So I think anybody in that situation would need as much help as possible when you're trying to get up there in a short amount of time. But uh well, D.Y., uh, once again, really appreciate you to come on, and uh, we did a little overtime this time around, but uh, it's for a special occasion with a big win last night against the Kansas Jayhawks. But that's all I got for you this week. Thanks, bud. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you next week. We just lost him on Zoom. So. Oh, Perfect. it timed out. That's the third time. Yeah. That is the third time, I got to say, that that's it's uncanny. That's the third time the Zoom has timed out at the perfect time, we just right. didn't, we just get we didn't get a buy from him. That's all. Which uh, you know, maybe he'll text me or something and say bye, buddy, or something like that. You know. Uh, all right. I, I suppose you know what. When we come back, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, I'll share the uh, the story last night that everybody saw on Twitter. It's the game. Cats beat KU eighty three eighty two in overtime to get to sixteen and two on the year, five and one record in the conference play. That's the exact same record. As the Kansas Jayhawks. All right, so I, I'll tell the story. Um, so last night after the game, the fans stormed the court. Security comes out, ropes off the scores table, so the the you know the team and um, you know the coaching staffs and teams can shake hands. It's a good game, and uh, and I thought that'd be it. Even though there was a great celebration, and then on the floor we heard the FKU chant once again. And uh, I, I'm trying to tell – it's not the longest story, but I'm trying to tell it in a short amount of time here. Uh, Coach Tang comes over to the scores table behind me. He knows where the microphone is. Mm-hmm. And he's asking for the public address announcer's mic. He's like, I want the PA mic. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. It was not, something like that. And uh, it seems very serious. And I tilt the microphone up, and I'm like, I can hold the clicker if you want me to, to trigger the, trigger the microphone. Brett comes in, who does an amazing job for K-State Athletics, producer of the show, fan experience, um, gets, a, gets a wireless microphone set up for him in like 10 seconds. Quick work. Great work. He deserves a raise, guys. And um, gives it to Tang, and I thought, he, he goes, hey. And then he starts climbing out of his, I was like, he, he starts climbing up to the scores table. I was like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> now this is getting good, but he's trying to climb up on the scores table on a chair with wheels. And by the time I, I, I noticed that, cause I was also, I was kind of looking forward at the crowd and I thought he was going to do everything from the floor. Then he starts climbing up and I didn't notice he was climbing up until like kind of halfway through. 
and I it was very awkward. If you've seen the video, it's super. I, I was super awkward in it, and it's hilarious. Um, I didn't notice anybody trying to help him up, and I saw the video that Brett was, and so kind of at the last second, I, I did what wrestlers do for balance, and kind of grabbed the pants on the side. I didn't mean to grab, I but I did, and um, and I kind of stood up with him because I knew he was getting up the scores table. I stood up because I wanted to get a video of uh, I wanted to capture it, and I did. Um, and that's really about it. Tang gets up and uh, delivers his speech, and I thought it was a great one. And then after that, or the, also the players got up in the scores table. Mm-hmm. I think Keontae Johnson led the way. Um, Abayami Ejiola, he stood up on the scores table where KU was doing their broadcast, the, t- the, the, the radio call. And they're like, you got to get down, you got to get down. He's, he was so apologetic after that. And they're like, it's fine, it's fine. But that was pretty funny. Uh, and then what those didn't see is I did help Tang down off the scores table. So uh, somebody claimed that I tried to grab his ass. That's not true, I promise. Uh, it was maybe a close call. but it, it, it was not a case of Michigan's quarterback's dad grabbing Michigan quarterback's girlfriend. Yeah, I'm sure after last night, if I did, a lot of people would have been jealous, honestly, of me uh, in that well. opportunity. But no, that's, that's not what took place. Uh, it just... It was a total awkward moment on my part after watching that back. I was like, damn, I did look awkward. The, the, <laughs> it was funny, The uh, Jerome Tang as Sam Weish moment last night, just without any insults. If you missed it last night, here was his postgame speech. This was from uh, ESPN, captured it on the cameras. Here was their, uh, it's not the whole thing, it's a bit edited uh, when it comes to the cheers, but here it is. This is not about who we just beat. This is about us winning. when you do it out of a motive of love and joy and passion. Now I told y'all, we'll get you one court storming. From here on out, expect to win. I hear so much confidence. Whatever you take from that, I hope you take from the confidence that he preaches with. Because he told us at his introductory press conference, he came here to elevate, and it's not going to take long. Guys, K-State is 16-2. and two. Are you not having fun yet? Top 10 in all likelihood next week. Yeah, very. There, there's a possibility. I don't know what the rest of the top 10 has been doing this week so far, but we still got you know another game to come on Saturday, and that's a 1 o'clock tip-off against Texas Tech. Coach Tang absolutely believes in what he's doing right now, and he's going to turn K-State into a national championship contender. Uh, you know, the court storming thing is a bit of a different story. That's something that's got to be earned when it comes to the winning. Hour two is coming up next.